All right, welcome to the Change My View podcast. It is Saturday, August 31st. I'm Michael Hatch, and today we are going to talk about a Change My View post from 26 days ago, um, and that would put us at August uh, 6th, I believe. Um, and we have on here the OP of this post, uh, the post that has uh, about exactly 2,000 upvotes now. And uh, would you mind introducing yourself, user Silverboy101? Uh, yep, I'm Silverboy101. My name's Harvey. I I made a post, um, yeah, about 26 days ago, about after I saw Neil deGrasse Tyson's tweet, um, which we'll probably go into a bit later. Um, but yeah, I've always been very sort of interested in politics and type of things. So I saw the tweet and then I saw the response on the across the internet, and I thought, well actually maybe there's another point of view that people aren't thinking about. So then I made the post and here we are. Thank you. So this is, for those listening, this is kind of a, an interesting example of here's something in the news and then, and by the way, how would you like us to refer to you um, as your username or as your first name or how, how do you prefer? Uh, you can call me whatever you want. You can call me Harvey. Cool. I'm fine with that. All right. So, um, so Harvey here, user boy, uh, user Silverboy101, essentially in response to a news story um, that we've likely all heard about, posts on Change My View. So you may have heard the news story, heard it in parts, maybe seen some tweets about it, seen 30 seconds on a news channel about it. But if you wanted somewhere to go where you can actually see like the conversation really unpacked in a constructive way, that's what Change My View here is all about. So, you know, I, I thank you for creating a, a good post. You gave some deltas here. You had an engaged and good discussion. And I think to anyone who really wanted to dig into, like, not just exactly what happened, but perhaps some of the you know, more interesting uh, moral and cultural importance of, of these kind of things, you know, I would just encourage everyone to you know, look at Change My View as a place to digest some of this if you have something that you're interested in. Um, it's a, a, in that sense, a kind of a cool companion to uh, news stories of this kind. So, um, so if you wouldn't mind, Harvey, I'm just going to update a little bit, speaking of news, uh, about Change My View. There's a couple of just quick things, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to these in more detail in a future podcast that will be specifically about this. But um, uh, as you yeah. may have known, um, there's been a spinoff of Change My View called Change of You that's had some interesting news. And um, Stephen Fry did a post there, and uh, you know we had a shout-out from Obama and all that. And Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, the head of uh, the CEO of LinkedIn uh, mentioned it in a comment and said that he recommended checking it out. And so, um, and, you know, some of that builds on news that was about change my view. Um, you know, going back to the Wired magazine article from last year uh, that said we're the last hope for civil discourse in the internet. But anyways, it's just really exciting to see uh, people talking about something that I think is so uh, valuable and improving the discussion that um, you know, fighting to. Uh, to keep things from getting even more polarized, more uncivil. Um, so um, that's those are happy things. Um, Cal Turnbull, um, the founder and longtime uh, head moderator of Change My View, uh, has resigned and had, through election was replaced by uh, um, Garnteller, who was actually one of the earliest uh, people I interviewed on the uh, Change My View Delta All-Stars podcast before this podcast was interviewed. So he's really been a long time great. He's perfect for to take over for Cal. Um, and it was just a nice, smooth transition. And uh, I'm hoping to speak to Garnteller here soon uh, to go into some detail on that. But until then, we'll sort of leave the details on that out. And uh, we'll just get right into the uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson stuff here. So uh, are you ready, Harvey? Yes, I'm ready. So cool. I'll just read out my post and I'll read out the tweet um, that he made that prompted the post. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind, maybe just read the tweet and the title of your post and then I've got a quick question and then we'll go into the whole thing. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Okay, gotcha. Oh, and, and just for those listening. So my title was... Oh, Harvey, yeah. sorry, I just, just real quick, I want to sorry. give context for people listening, let's say at two years from now or something. Um, this was posted immediately following the shootings in, um, in El Paso and in Dayton. Um, in early August, this is August 4th, 2019, uh, where th uh, there were nine, uh, 10, excuse me, 10 people killed at the Dayton shooting and 22 at the El Paso shooting. So this is, uh, you know, uh, clearly in a very um, sensitive sort of m 
national moment uh, around this topic and just to provide a little context. But um, And your post, it, it's those two tragedies happened and then the Neil deGrasse Tyson twist and then your post all in the course of a couple of days here. So uh, go for it. I just wanted to provide that context. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, my title, the post I made was Change My View. Neil deGrasse Tyson had a point. And then my first sentence, um, I just basically referenced his tweet, which was, in the past 48 hours, the USA horrifically lost 34 people to mass shootings. On average, across any 48 hours, we also lose 500 to medical errors, 300 to the flu, 250 to suicide, 200 to car accidents, and 40 to homicide via handgun. Often our emotions respond more to spectacle than to data. So that was his tweet. Great. So your post was that he had a point. That was kind of what you were coming in to change my view with that view. Um, so what I, what I usually ask in this, I, we already know about 60% of the answer to this question anyway, but just as a, as a, uh, a pattern here, I like to try and ask um, mm -hmm every OP sort of what was going on in your world when you decided to post this. So obviously we know the context about the shooting, but maybe on a personal level, like what was it that made you think like that tipped you over to ask about this issue and perhaps not another issue, or maybe you had a disagreement with someone, you know, a family member, a friend that like led you to really want to explore it or what, what kind of, what, what led to you deciding to put this post up? Well, I first saw the post on a fairly neutral subreddit. I, th I can't remember what it was, but it was just the tweet. It, there was no sort of um, negative title and there was, it was not, not a shit post or a meme about it. It was just the tweet. And I thought, oh, he's actually kind of making a solid point. But then as I got more and more into the issue and I looked at Reddit and other parts of the internet like Facebook, I realized that the backlash he had received from almost all corners was very pronounced mm -hmm. and I thought like well it is a sensitive time and it's a sensitive topic but nobody's acknowledging what he's saying yeah which I thought was quite important so I thought well I don't want I don't know everything about the situation so I'm not going to um, you know form a fully fledged opinion so I thought I'd take it to change my view to see what other people had to say, people who might be more connected to the issue or who had a different point of view. Then um, also part of it was because I wanted to maybe raise awareness for a few users who are just sort of jumping on the hate Tyson bandwagon. Cool. Okay. Um, well, uh, right off of that then, if you wouldn't mind, uh, if you could read, uh, read the post. So it's, it's pretty short here, so that'll be good. Of course. Yeah. Um, my post was, I'm seeing a whole bunch of memes and shit posts hanging shit on Tyson's tweet he made in response to the two mass shootings. Disclaimer, I don't think shootings are a good thing. I'm strongly in favor of gun control and I do dislike terrorism. What Tyson did was provoke conversation on a variety of issues that don't get the widespread coverage that a shooting has, but has even worse effects. He was absolutely right about people responding emotionally to issues as opposed to rationally, because that's exactly how people responded to his tweet. Instead of considering what he had to say and its relevance, everyone just insulted him and called him insensitive. Sure, the time he said what he did may have been insensitive, but I'd argue that no matter when he said it, he would have been labeled insensitive. My point is that according to the stats Tyson listed, there are more families mourning deaths of their loved ones due to medical complications than those whose family members were victims of mass shootings. And sure, you can call the last point I just made insensitive towards mass shooting victims, but to ignore the issue Tyson raised would be equally insensitive to people suffering from those problems. If anyone could change my view, I'd be very interested. Great. Okay. And we'll just, if you don't mind, we'll stop there and maybe we can jump back to the edits as appropriate. Yep. Um, so just reading back what you read, do you have any immediate thoughts just on that? Sorry, can you repeat that? Um, I think you dropped out a little bit. Okay. So based on what you were just reading of your, of your own writing there, like any immediate thoughts just coming off of that, reading it again, you know, cause you probably haven't read through it all the way since you wrote it, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, well, 
there were a couple of things. Um, I saw, I sort of, I definitely came into the post feeling a bit like an underdog or, you know, feeling like most people would disagree with me. So I think I took a little bit of a stronger position than perhaps was true to what I actually thought. So um, I was sort of prepared for a lot of opposition. So I tried to make make my arguments very clear and strong at the start. Um, and I think the more comments I read and the more discussion I had, I realized that I agreed with a lot of what people were saying and I just expected the level of, you know, intelligent discussion that I was getting on the subreddit. I was expecting more of a, um, a sort of a shouting match between two opposing parties. Gotcha. So yeah, I think when I wrote the post, I was a lot more, yeah, strong in my view. And what had your previous experience of change my view been like before this? Had you been around a lot or is this pretty new for you? Um, well, I'd, I'd come across the subreddit um, a while back and subscribed and I hadn't really um, contributed much, never posted before. Mm -hmm. I think I've commented a couple of times on some posts here and there. Um, but the what I really like about the subreddit is just being able to open up a post, read through it, resonate with what the post is saying, but then also understand and agree with what people were saying in opposition. Like, because there's a lot of intelligent discussion that you can't find on a lot of places on the internet. Yeah. All right, cool. Well then, um, so you found it refreshing sort of that the construct, the conversation was more constructive. It was useful both in previous posts, but this one as well, it sounds like. Um, and I figured we'd just jump right off that. Yeah, exactly. I, if you wouldn't mind, I'll, I'll read this top reply post to you, the one that you did end up giving a Delta to. And uh, just maybe give me, I'll, I'll, and I'll stop before the edit part, and then maybe you can give me your thoughts, and uh, I'll go from here. So this is now me quoting um, username okay, Amish sure. Latin Jew, uh, spelled how it sounds, uh, all one word. Uh, this got a thousand upvotes, and you know, so so in a sense, this is really a, a peak on the you know the landscape of the internet of something people found useful about this topic. Uh, so it's kind of an, an interesting hive mind moment, even though it was written by one person, there seems to be some, you know, for, for whatever reason, this bubbled up as this useful, constructive thing. And so we'll, we'll just, you know, for the listeners' sake, they can, you know, here we go. Uh, and this is now me reading Amish Latin, Amish Latin Jew, a quote. It's right to respond to a mass shooting emotionally, or at least understandable, because it's a very traumatic event. The rest of the things on the list are things that are typically more smaller in scale, as far as the trauma generated. Examples of what I mean um, about scale of trauma are as follows. First, the average car accident involves less than two cars. Witnesses are not always av available nor stick around. In fact, most people drive around even right after the accident unless it looks grave. I couldn't find number of witnesses not involved in a car accident per year. If we are lenient and double the amount of victims in an accident to reach the witnesses, then you have at least you have less than four cars involved in the accident in any uh, accident in any way. There's six million car accidents and forty thousand deaths in those accidents. Um, that's 0.6 percent of car accidents that end in a death. School shooting data varies. This is the second point. Um, I used uh, this link, and this is from. Uh, the, it, uh, some link from some research thing, I think, as data gathering. Uh, as, as data gathering seemed impartial. Using the same meth method as I did for car accidents, let's do the school shootings, not even mass shootings in general. Uh, from 2016 to 2018, there were 45, 44, and 97 school shooting incidences, respectively. And those, uh, in those, there were 13, 24, and 56 fatalities. The amount of school shootings that results in a death is 28%, 54%, and 57%, respectively. In essence, someone is 95 times more likely to die when involved in a school shooting than in a car accident. And the average amount of traumatized people from a shooting is essentially the population of the school and that population's family. Let's be kind and say that's four to 500 people per school shooting. Um, back to uh, normal paragraphs here. It's still me quoting Amish Latin Jew. You can run the gambit like this with every issue Tyson brought up, brought up irresponsibly in an attempt to be logical and not emotional. The numbers he was clinging to so hard don't tell the same story when you account for the amount of people that suffer trauma per incident of that respective category. The only one that comes close, to, comes close is suicide, which if you do the math by the numbers, 
uh, from this site, uh, it's a suicide statistics website, um, gives you would be 3% of suicide t attempts result in the death. The trauma for each incident is restricted to those that knew the single victim, whereas in a school shooting, all the population of the school and those that knew them uh, are involved, not just those shot, shooting, or killed. The very nature of a school shooting is going to generate more trauma than the other school incidents that he mentioned. So, of course, there will be an emotional response. That response is justified, especially with regards to the issues. Efforts are being made, even at government levels, against all those incidents. In America, the same effort is not being made towards preventing gun violence, especially school and mass shootings. The countries we, sh we could reasonably compare ourselves to have solved this issue or make strong efforts to solve it. Only in America do we see a problem and ignore the obvious solutions that the rest of the modernized world is addressing and using and instead place it, as scapegoats at, place it at scapegoats' feet. So a high amount of tra trauma is generated and a lack of effort... Uh, excuse me. So, a high amount of trauma is generated and a lack of effort to prevent it. This is why um, NDT, Neil deGrasse Tyson, was wrong in his comparison. Yeah, so, Harvey, uh, what are your... <laughs> uh, well, your initial thoughts there are pretty funny in the thread. <laughs> yeah, um, so I didn't have the most fleshed out reply um, to this. I just wrote, well, damn, Delta, hands down the most thorough reply, consider my view changed. <laughs> but what, what really resonated with this yeah. post with me or the comment was the percentage of um, school shootings that would lead to a death. So he said there were um, six million car accidents compared to um, 97 school shootings. In, in a year, right? Mm -hmm. But when they lead to, a, like the school shootings lead to a much higher percentage, which means if school shootings occurred on the same level that, that car accidents did, the death toll would be catastrophic. Oh yeah, yeah. So even though you look at the raw numbers and you think, well, car accidents lead to way more deaths, that's because you're not taking into account the percentage of, um, of fatality yeah there's a so it occurred to me that tyson was look was looking at yeah raw statistics that weren't weren't given enough context yeah and it's now there's another point in there too where it seems to be that they are making the point essentially that like because this is happening in a mass way to a connected community there's sort of like a more than the sum of its part like uh, shockwave or uh, splash damage or whatever you want to call it, uh, like of the community's impact of the emotional trauma, then let's say a closed, a trauma that happens in a, you know, within a, a small family and in, in a sense is kind of in a closed loop. Uh, no, not that any one death is more or less tragic than another, but there's something um, impactfully magnified in some way um, about the, the sum total of a given school shooting's deaths. Uh, and, uh, what was your takeaway on that, if, if you understand what I mean? Yeah, um, for, I think definitely um, shootings, mass shootings, school shootings, they all get, they all attract a massive amount of publicity, right? And that's the reason that Tyson posted. He said, well, these issues are getting so much publicity and these issues aren't. But I think what he failed to realize was there's a reason, a very real reason that the issues do get publicity. And it's because, as Amish Light and Jew said, the trauma and the impact is massive. Like it affects um, his conservative estimate was 400 to 500 people per school shooting. But a lot of school populations are much larger than that. And then you add on families of every student who goes there and every teacher who goes there and all their families and maybe people who live on the street or whatever. And then that can get up to easily over a thousand people in terms of the people who the trauma has affected. And when you look at like a medical incident or even a car accident or even a suicide, the trauma is a lot more concentrated on maybe the families of the people who are involved, which is two families as opposed to 500 families. Yeah. So I think what Tyson looked at was specifically just the deaths, but he didn't look at the effect that that had on everyone else involved. Yeah. It's a, uh, it, it kind of gets into an area of like, 
of this weird moral area of like what kind of tragedies are worse or you know is is a life worth more or less if more people knew the yeah. person let's say like is is it and you know on the one hand you don't want to say well you know x person's worth more or less than some other person but on the other hand it's like hard to ignore some yeah. of this multiplier effect of the tragedy outcomes within these small communities um and it's just a really dire question yeah. I, it, it if was, i could just quickly yeah add on to that mm-hmm. um I think what Tyson did was because he obviously made a point that people respond with emotion as opposed to data um, and they don't respond rationally. But I think what in, in, in his attempt to try and remove emotion and just reduce it to the number of deaths in each incident, he made an error and then he omitted the trauma, which is actually a relevant data, right? Even though it seems like it's just an emotional response it's still relevant in terms of the impact of the event because it affects so many people so i think that's one part where tyson made a little bit of an error because he was just trying to focus on the raw on the only the numbers he could see which wasn't the whole story you know i wonder if we were to follow neil degrasse tyson's the premise that sort of he that's clearly you know implicit in what he's saying that essentially we should be divvying up resources essentially like deaths per dollar, what's our best bang for the buck, right? Like that's in some sense, perhaps a moral thing to do from a state, local, federal government level, you know, and then how does that translate into how much we give to, you know, in foreign aid versus local, right? Is that, you know, is a life in a third world country or excuse me, development country worth more or less than one here? But the other factor is like, Okay, do yeah. you want to live in a world like that, or does that get a li- little bit weird when, like, we start like running equations on some of that stuff? And that, um, but it makes me think of like, okay, you might say like a, a mom's got you know two kids or something, and only has X amount of insulin, and hypothetically though could ship that insulin somewhere else in the world where there isn't enough and save some child's life she's never met. And if if all mothers did calculus on morality and just like gave no preference to their own children than let's say others. I think that would be a really weird world to live in. Like in some, on some meta larger level, is it a better world that the mother does care about her own kids more than others? Like, like that's, I feel like there's that piece of this, that, that factors yeah. in some way. Like the yeah, math I doesn't think, check I out, think but if it, you think you about it, feel that when it, you, yeah. yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's all right. Um, the math, yeah, the math not checking out is a big point because I think if you take the view that Tyson seems to be implying that it should be ruled entirely by maths, then you end up with this entirely impersonal world where I think what would happen was personal relationships between people would would um, falter consistently because they wouldn't have that ability to go, I care about you more than I care about some random person in another country. And while, you know... It is a massive problem that there are a lot of people in third world developing countries that don't have the luxuries that someone like I do. Um, it's it's still – I think – I don't think there's a definitive answer, but I think Tyson just took the view that was opposite to the majority view. He, he has a concern. So I think he, him, he took the, sure. the stark trust. Yeah, like he does know how to find that thing. And yeah, really exactly. The button on it. I, another good example is he had a tweet that was um, saying, uh, I just want to celebrate the the man who changed the world so many centuries ago on this day, you know, uh, uh, December 25th, uh, and the world was never the same again after him, and he did more to advance us than ever. And then it, it turned out he was talking about Isaac Newton, who happened to also be born on Christmas. Um, yeah. And so, like, he's it's a, it's a little bit of trolling. It's a little bit of... Uh, you know, Hitchens like contrarianism. It's, it's, it's a, in a way it's on brand for him. Like, is there an argument to say that that's kind of his job? Yeah, it is. You know, like I, I, like there's these two guys on local radio in Los Angeles named John and Ken, and they're just so mad all the time. And they're like usually wrong, but occasionally they'll like find this thing and draw attention to it. And then really like there was this big gas leak that was just not getting in the news and they got crazy about it because they get crazy about everything. But occasionally you, you kind of want to know they're there as like a fail safe, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. There's yeah. certain kinds of imperfect I think, archetypes. I think it's very yeah. important to have someone like Tyson as a contrarian, yeah. like, because 
so often the majority gets caught up in the majority view. Um, and so often you don't have the response of the other side of the story. Yeah. And I think whether or not you like the way Tyson goes about it or you whether or not he's always right or whether or not he's always being considerate and compassionate, he's always bringing something to the table that the average person isn't going to always consider. And I think in terms of like in terms of learning, like the, the post that I made was such a learning experience and that occurred because I saw Tyson's tweet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you, so you'd say that like, when you said Delta, like what would you say is, what would describe the change between the you before you posted and the you now? Like, cause sometimes people will give a Delta on like, okay, okay. I said 50%, but it's really 25% yeah. or some, you know, smaller thing, but it sounds like your change might be a little more profound or how yeah. would you describe it just to make sure I'm getting it right, you know? Yeah. So to, de- yeah, to describe exactly the change that happened when I was reading it, it was firstly, as I said, the statistics, like the percentages, realizing how much more likely a shooting was to lead to a death. Um, and so I think, I think what the part of my mind that was changed about what Tyson posted was that he didn't include, he didn't consider the trauma and he approached it from, by trying to be rational, he approached it from a very simplistic um, numerical level that didn't actually apply properly to the situation. So I think my view was changed by just by the fact that my perspective on the whole issue was changed and therefore it made me see Tyson's tweet in a less favorable light. Yeah. What now, what would you say? There's a, there's a piece here that kind of is, is a bit of an elephant in the room of, of a sense of, you know, the people who lost the family members to the accidents in hospitals or to the, the car crashes or the right? The, the different, all the different mm. categories. Um, what, what's your response now in your in your changed position in terms of how to answer to, to one of them who are like, I'm glad he spoke out for us. You know, we're this silent majority that, you know, our deaths got less news because it was less dramatic. Or, you know, like, yeah. what do you say? Uh, what do you say to that hypothetical person? So if, if, you know, a family member of someone who'd been a victim of a medical error or a car crash or whatever, I yeah. think... You definitely have to, you still have to stand by Tyson bringing forward the issue. And you have to stand by those families, like you said, the silent majority of the victims. But you can't do it at the expense of the victims of mass shootings and their families. I think there's a, even in the way Tyson posted his tweet and the way I posted my change my view, it's a very implicit depiction of an us versus them situation, which I don't think it is. I think it's sort of, we can talk to the family members of the victims of medical errors and talk to the family members of the victims of gun control and we can we can reconcile the fact that they come from different situations and i think what i'd say to someone like that is we are that there are attempts to made being made to tackle the problem that affected you and while that's never going to so while that right now well, right now hasn't been resolved. What is happening is there are it is getting better. Whereas with the gun control, it's it's a very tricky issue. Yeah. yeah it, it's and it's tricky for me, and I'm an outsider. I'm Australian. I'm not even in the. Mm-hmm. I'm not in in the country. I don't. I'm not part of the debate properly. But I. But the victims of gun violence deserve more in terms of efforts being made to rectify, which isn't happening. Yeah, it's the, it's one of those conversations where, you know, within the United States, it's, it's, you know, both sides are just talking past each other, which is, you know, um, a common uh, bug in the system right now. Uh, I know it's happened in the past as well, but I think, uh, at least conversations like this can be a part of the solution to those. I mean, and we haven't, you know, really gotten into gun control anymore. And honestly, it's kind of like, I almost don't want to, cause it's like, what is there to, to add in a sense? Like, like there's no voices really saying it's moderate positions that like a lot of people are like getting excited about because the moderate positions are usually kind of boring, but usefully constructive, you know? And <laughs> like, when when yeah, among people, that's one of the things I found. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. 
No, sorry, you go. Oh, okay. I was wondering then, from your experience as an Australian, what does the and just for context, I forget what year it was, but um, Australia is, at one point after a major shooting got rid of pretty much ninety nine percent of the firearms, except for some special occasions or exceptions or something. Is yep. that right? I think thirty years ago, give or take, something like that. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, we, I think it was yeah. sometime in the mid nineties because um, I know. It was John Howard um, mm -hmm. was prime minister, and he's a very conservative prime minister. Um, and so a very conservative prime minister made the decision to um, to basically, yeah, collect 99% of firearms across Australia. And since then, we've had any shootings at all. Like, right. we had, we've had zero mass shootings this year, and the USSR had something like nearly 250. Yeah, and I think as an Australian, like I can't offer my um, my detailed insights onto what the U.S. should do because I'm not a U.S. citizen, right? Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that being in a country like Australia where there is gun control, I have never and never will go to school or go to a university or go to a a shop or somewhere and be worried about being shot. Right. What's the discussion like there, though? Like, just among you and your your peers, your friends, your family. Like, what what is the? Do they think you know, the United States is just very different than other countries? Do they like? Well, we used to have guns, and they understand. Or like, what's what's the vibe? I guess from from your point of view, the people. You're well, I think to. the uh, the vibe, the general vibe is um, that that people we live in a in a country with strong gun control. We don't have mass shootings, right? I think. Most Australians who you will talk to will think, yeah, those two have to be connected. And if, if the U.S. wants to reduce the number of mass shootings, they should increase gun control. There's, but people do realize that they're different countries and that there's different situations and it's not the same thing. But the general sentiment, I would say, would be supporting stricter gun laws in the U.S. Just from like personal experience in Australia in a country with strong gun laws. Yeah. So what does it take to have a gun in Australia? Do you have to like have a special sort of uh, license to hunt some, you know, uh, destructive, uh, one of those animals that gets in the wrong area and starts breeding too fast or like one of these weird exceptions or like, what are the rules? Do you have to be an Olympic rifle shooter or how's that? Uh, well, I wouldn't know too, oh, okay. too specifically because I've never tried to buy a gun, but, um, um, but I know that you need, there's a very um, cohesive and comprehensive licensed process to actually get the license and i know that for example we don't i don't think we have like gun stores and we certainly don't have guns in our equivalents of walmarts we can't just go out and buy a gun right um it's a very it's a very stringent process which involves a lot of vetting of the person a lot of vetting of what they're buying and what they're buying for so for example someone can have a gun but i think but they're only allowed to have that gun on their property and use it to hunt wild game like kangaroos, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't you can't carry around carry it around or you know take it to any populated area or anything anything like that. So it's a lot more controlled and a lot more sort of under surveillance. Gotcha. Um, and just going back to sort of the cultural and political like. Yeah, you know, milieus in, in both countries. Like like Australia, you know, ostensibly had you know, thousands of guns or however many there. And um, is it safe to say that a conservative MP or PM rather, sorry, um, is it like in the US where the conservative side also tends to be pro-gun or was it at the time? And if so, like was like how did the political will shift so quickly in Australia or was it just already ready to make that move anyway? Um, I, I, the, when John yeah, Howard, yeah. um, introduced strict gun control laws, I think everyone was very surprised mm -hmm. and uh, because yeah. he, um, he was a conservative prime minister, as I've said. Um, and I think, I think it's less that people didn't want him to do it. It's more that just, it wasn't the thing that a conservative prime minister would do. It was just sort of, it went against the grain, but I think there has been no attempts by conservative um, governments who've been in power since, at least no, um, w no, like proper attempts to actually reintroduce um, laxer gun laws and make it easier to get a gun license. Mm -hmm. Like 
we've had a majority conservative governments, like I'd say 60-40 conservative to progressive governments in the last 10, 20 years, right? And not once have we had like a close a close um, situation where lax gun laws might be passed or where someone is strongly campaigning for gun laws. Um, so I think I think it's become less of a political conservative versus progressive issue and it's more just this is the way Australia is going to be because it has worked for us and this is one of the few issues that people aren't going to raise in an attempt to change people's minds. Gotcha. And it, it wasn't because of the impact of the, the lobbying by the, the big emu or... Oh, sorry, that's a reference to the email. Uh, I don't think mind. so. No, I think <laughs> I was, I, that was just joking. Oh my god! <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I, I thought I thought you were being serious for a second. I was like, is he referencing the emu war? I don't know. <laughs> but yes, we got our asses whooped by emus, and then here we are. <laughs> I'm just you know making sure the humans are still no. Um, yeah, well, I, I think there's probably differences too because in the U.S. The, the independence of the country was so tied into the ownership of guns and that it got baked into the constitution, you know, literally the second, the second amendment. Um, but in Australia, I think it was, it was not yeah. that deeply yeah. baked in. It was more like, uh, like more of a federal law or statute than constitutional, I think. Is that right? Yeah, it, it definitely is. And it's also, you have to realize about Australia, we're sort of a mishmash country. We're not set in stone where, you know, our parliament's only 115 years old or whatever mm-hmm. and we don't have a constitution and we don't have oh we have we have a constitution sorry but it's got it's got only got five it's got five constitutional laws and they're all very old fashioned like one of them is you can't discriminate against someone from another state so hmm. you can be racist you just can't be statist so wow. i can't insult someone because they're queenslander but i can but i can insult someone because they're Asian or black or Indian or whatever. That's wild. At I, least according I, I, to the constitution. So then what we've like done that, yeah. is we have on state, le- on state levels, huh. we have state bills of rights and state um, sort of state laws that try to replicate what something like the American constitution has done. Oh, that's all happening. But we don't have anything level. that comprehensive. And I think that. Oh, weird. I mean, not yeah, weird. that's I mean, all happening at the state level yeah. and at federal levels as well. Huh. Yeah. Um, but what's what's happening is it means that makes change a lot easier to generate because there's not this one enshrined document that's that says one two three four five six all these different laws right yeah like the ink isn't dry yet so we have we have the uh, yeah exactly the ink is not dry so we can change that whereas I think it's a lot harder to convince people um, about the American Constitution like one of the comments on my post that was in response to someone saying. Um, that gun control is a bad idea because of it would infringe the Second Amendment. The response was, well, the Second Amendment was written when people had muskets and crossbows, not when people had full automatic military rifles and, you know, um, military-grade shotguns and stuff like that. Like, Mm -hmm. you're trying to apply an outdated law to a current situation yeah. Yeah, and I guess, yeah. If you try to apply the Australian Constitution nowadays, right? Yeah, it is, which it we is, don't do. We just use the, the the federal and state bills of rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of, it's sort of a funny tension there about what things get. You know, like some some things will be changed by future amendments. Other things get sort of reinterpreted over time. Um, and so it's 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 a tension that really you yeah. know defines in many ways the American Supreme Court. Uh, you know the constitutionalists uh versus the uh more flexible half um but you know because on the one hand you could say well so was the freedom of speech and freedom of the press you know but on the other hand you know Mm, what are the reasons behind it and then people will say well some people argue the point of having guns is so that you know in in the event of tyranny the people can reasonably rise up to stop a tyrannical government and thus would need weapons at least somewhat comparable to what the military has for that purpose you know other people would say, oh, it was just written in there. But so I think there are so hunting. many so other ways to you know. prevent tyranny. What's that? Uh, like, if you look at, there are so many other ways that you can stop a government becoming 
um, you can stop a government becoming um, tyrannous or dictator-like before having a full-scale military uprising. Mm-hmm. Like, like the government can't function if um, its citizens don't give it power. So, oh, I suppose it's different in America because America has such a much stronger military than Australia. But I know in Australia, before we tried to have a full violent uprising, we do things like just stop voting, stop paying taxes and all that kind of stuff. And then the government would cease to function until they change something. Yeah. Yeah, it is sort of a disproportionate. So I suppose it's different when you have the threat of like the biggest martial, the the biggest military in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they like military power per per unit of population. It's like, I think probably larger in the U.S. than anywhere else besides, um, I don't know, because if you're dividing by people, the Vatican or something. Oh, yeah, I definitely um, think so. It's, um, but it's just, it's weird how that, that martial culture is there in a way that, I mean, like so much of the, like, like the Thomas Hobbes, you know, would say like all the power of violence needs to be like with the government, like the Leviathan, right? Like, like, so like Hobbes yeah. would probably not be down yeah. with the second amendment, you know, but then like, so I just wish I could be in a room with, and hear what like the American founding fathers would have thought about <laughs> it or how, how strictly they would have expected us to, yeah you know, cause I mean, it would have been a very interesting discussion. Yeah. It's uh no, it's a funny thing, but uh, you know, there's also different characters in different countries. Like, you know, Australia didn't mind getting rid of them. And in the U S there's, I think it's just, uh, politically unfeasible from, from my point of view, uh, to, to revoke the second amendment or, or, but you know, I think the conversations around what controls, we yeah. have, you know, you know, we drive around, you know, you know, uh, death machines made out of steel powered by explosions, you know, <laughs> and we have, we have a system for, you know, teaching yeah, people how to drive. And, you know, if you want to fly a plane, that's a little more strict, you know, but, uh, the freedom's still there. You get to, you know, it's a, you know perhaps something about that. I, I hope, I, I would hope to hear more conversation around the constructive solutions there and with mental health, but we, I, th- I feel like we hear more of the, uh, the far end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one like Reddit's favorite meme is that you can't buy Kinder Surprise eggs in the U.S., but you can buy AK-47s off a Walmart shelf. Like, and while that's you know that's a bit of a, a, a cliche trope that everyone likes to quote, it's still it's still real, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that when you have such stringent restrictions around things like Kinder Surprise eggs or um, similar stuff, but you can let people go and buy it whenever you want it's sort of this really weird dichotomy like i was watching a dave Chappelle comedy special on netflix the other night and he says that at one point he ran into a gun store sweating breathing hard asked the clerk for a shotgun and the clerk didn't ask him what for he didn't question him at all he handed over a shotgun and then said would you like bullets to kill a man or bullets to kill a small animal oh jeez like it just, it was so, yeah. And so like, I couldn't imagine that happening in Australia. Like if I go to a store and ask for too much, like too much food or I, or I try and buy a bottle of alcohol and I look a bit younger than I am, right. I'm going to get, you know, tons of questions. I'm going to be asked for ID. I'm going to be asked if I have a parent or I'm going to be asked who I'm buying it for. Am I buying it for someone who's underage? Hmm. But like, so I feel like there's all the the restrictions, while they may seem an infringement on, you know, personal security or um, privacy on a larger level, they provide a layer of of blanket security to everyone, no matter who you are and where you are. Yeah. And I guess in a sense, you could say that perhaps part of the political will that existed in Australia for that move in the 90s represented a, a larger mm. degree of trust in the authority of government than exists in the U.S. You know, maybe there's just more uh, skepticism or paranoia, whatever you want to call it, uh, of, you know, and I guess yeah. the questions around how much of that is healthy. I mean, some degree you have to have, how much is too much? Yeah. If you go full Alex Jones, you're probably a little past the Yeah, uh, you have to have spot. a skepticism. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a uh, it's a tough one because it's like um, you can. Yeah, hold it's a this, difficult yeah. situation to decide upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Um, what well, what is was there somewhere in this thread that you saw something really insightful that that you you know that was a fresh thought a fresh idea on this topic. Um. Well, there was one one perspective that um 
I had sort of semi-formulated in my head as I was writing the post, but it hadn't come to fruition until I'd read it written down. But it was um, that there are constant stringent improvements being made to combat suicide deaths, medical errors, and car accidents, and stuff like that. And one of the things that was really insightful was the way somebody phrased, I'll read it, this is from TC Guy 71 he said, is it one doctor causing 500 medical errors? And doctors are always trying to find ways to cut back on errors. Aren't we releasing new vaccines every year to combat the flu? We spend millions to try and prevent suicide. Automakers are constantly trying ways to make cars safer. But we literally have a group of lobbyists trying to prevent from doing anything about gun violence. And so that was the first Delta that I awarded. And it was also, um, it didn't change my mind fully, but all it, what it did was make me think, while Tyson's stats may be correct, again, he's not providing full context and he's not considering the surrounding situation. And I'm glad you brought it back around to Tyson there. It's um, just looking at this thing, these ratios, it's just interesting. It's the way she, uh, he or she puts mm. that is we literally have a group of lobbyists trying to prevent them from uh, doing anything about gun violence. So it's, it's because there's, there's not like a pro-cancer lobby or, or a pro- you know, back to no. the hospitals lobby. So it is, it is a funny yeah. thing that there's a significant part of the population who's like, this is an obvious bad and we want to stop the kill, the kill sticks that kill, make people bleed and die. Like this is a bad thing. Let's just stop it. Right. And you, you've got, you know, a, a way of thinking yeah. opposite of that. It's like, well, you know, arguments that you know, having more guns can prevent this kind of violence. You know, um, I, I don't know the data on it either way, yeah. but, um, there's just a weirdness to that because because to the one side it's just like you, the other side looks crazy. <laughs> I'm just trying. Yeah, to, I mean, yeah. I think I read one of the comments in my post. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but they said something like, um, "More guns stop gun violence than cause them." Or sorry, no, more lives are saved by guns than they are caused by than they are caused by guns. Hmm. And then I think, well. Maybe if you spin a certain very niche set of data in a very particular way, you come up with that result. But then when you look at something like number of mass shootings in, a, in countries per, this year, you have one in New Zealand because of the Christchurch shooter, zero in Australia, and then 257 in the US. Yeah. And then if you take if you take the percentage that um, Amish Latin Jew brought up, which was that between 28% and 57% of shootings result in death. So on average, what, like a 40, 45% of shootings result in death. And there are 257 shootings a year. That's at least, bare minimum, 100 deaths per year that are occur just because of mass shooting violence that don't happen in other countries. Do you know what the threshold is, by the way, for mass shooting? I, I hear different and numbers just for it, but... Sorry, can you so say that again? Well, I was saying, like, the, like, you might take a, you know, a bad weekend in Chicago in the last five years, can have pretty high numbers, but you, there may not be a mass shooting there. That might be, maybe, let's say, a triple or double homicide. Like, do you know what the threshold is from the data you were looking at? generally where they're considering that cutoff between ordinary crime in a sense versus a mass shooting in terms of a a oh okay I, i'm pretty sure according to the stats one of the websites that somebody posted mm -hmm. i think it was four or more people involved so four or more people uh, like shot or, or four or killed. more victims so either or wounded or uh, yeah four killed, or more people who who were wounded or um who were killed yeah okay i got you. and that so makes that, it a mass shooting i was wondering for a second because i was like wait how if they were counting by people killed how could it be anything but a hundred percent but I, I didn't think about including the wounded as a threshold yeah okay gotcha um, yeah no of course yeah and then yeah it's it's like you take an issue like heart disease or cancer and like we should be the most mad about that if we're perfectly yeah. rash, rational right well that's okay a weird thing to say i should be more emotional about this no. thing based on rationality and that's sort of a piece of like what neil degrasse tyson's getting at right he's like asking you to decide to be rational about which things yeah. to get angry about so like you, you see the weird thing there 
Yeah, exactly. But but it's something we all do in a way, don't we? Like, don't we all I mean, think with logic why some other person shouldn't get mad? It is. At, we do. Right? Is that it's? Yeah, exactly. We think we think about situations and we go, this one is reasonable for me to get upset about, and this one is not. Or like, this person shouldn't have gotten upset at this thing, but they should have gotten upset at this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's a really weird. Um, you get this really weird sort of dichotomy of using um rationality to decide upon emotion which is really impossible because in the end we're humans and we're fallible and rationality and emotion come together at the same time almost all the time it's very very hard to be entirely rational like even tyson's tweet was emotional he had an emotional response to the extensive coverage of gun violence and just and decided to provoke his own emotional response by posting those statistics. It, it, it makes me remember a story, and this is, I think this is relevant, in terms of like the logic around what you should be angry about, right? And like, I remember I was a kid, and I did something yeah, dumb, yeah. and I was in trouble, and my mom was mad at me. And then she yeah. got a phone call, she picked up the phone, and she was immediately perfectly delightful, right? <laughs> to this person she's talking to. A coworker, or who mm-hmm. knows, friend or something. I was five, I don't yeah. remember, right? But I just remember being like aghast that she was like mad at me and then just like turned it off for the phone call and then back on again. I was like, you can't do that. <laughs> like, right? Yeah. But like in a sense, we do kind of ask people. Yeah, that's not fair. You're supposed to be angry about. or in a good mood. It's, yeah, it's a. It's a f- you can't be both. <laughs> um, but no, it's like it happens a lot. Like when I was little, um, like me and my little brothers, I might do something wrong and then my mom would be get upset at me. But when my little brothers would come in and ask my mom for a hand and she'd be like, oh, sure, darling. And then she'd lead them off and go help them. And then she'd come back 20 minutes later Didn't miss a and she'd put on her angry face and go, okay, I'm mad again. <laughs> it's multitasking right there. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's the, the, the power of being a parent. Yeah, I'm going to have to update my uh, LinkedIn for my job hunt here. And when they say, can you multitask? I'll be like, you should see me turn off emotions on and off, right? That's it. <laughs> like, it's, um, no, it's yeah, just exactly. a funny quirk of human nature. And I think it's this when, whole like, thing like is... when teachers are being mad at, mad at students. Yeah. They're often, they're not actually angry. They're just trying to, um, you know, use authority in a way that the students will understand. Yeah. And is that like the better kind of mad because it's under control or does it make it weirdly more sociopathic? Like, I, don't I know mean, I think I would it. say that on some level it is a better kind of mad because I think the, while it may be less genuine, mm-hmm. you also know it's more under control because you know that they're going to say what they're going to say in an attempt to communicate something to you. And then as long as you don't push too far, that you can go back to being on amicable terms with them. Whereas when you have a genuine mm-hmm. anger from someone who it isn't in control, then they're going to say what they're going to say. And then you could try and reason with them or apologize. And they're not going to forgive. They're going to still be angry. And then you can't have the discussion with them. Yeah. It's well, like, cause you have to have a little blood going to it, you know, like, it's kind of like if you have a, like a hose, right. And you want to control the stream, like you, you can have the hose on or you can like clink it off or on if you bend it and like step on it or pinch it. Right. But if you can kind of use your thumb to awkwardly try yeah. to spray it around, but it's not perfect. But like with wisdom and time, maybe like an, a grown up versus a child. No, it's not. Like if you have a proper hose control, like yeah. at the end, the the thing at the end that's not the spigot. What's it called? Uh, you know what I'm talking about. The thing that controls the stream, the jet sprayer at the end of the hose. Yeah, I do. I do. You can control it in a very predictable, workable way, and so it's almost like. Uh, like that. It's kind of like sometimes if I, by procrastinating on an email, I'll just start typing it. Yeah. And you know how they say if it's an important email, you're not supposed to um, put the send person on yet, but type it first and then add the person. Like sometimes just no, to put a course. stake out there, I'll put yeah, the yeah, name yeah. in there anyway just to get the blood flowing, you know? <laughs> just to like put some yeah, you drive need to, into uh, it. Motivate yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think also like it, it comes into a level of energy like. Everyone has a finite reserve of energy. And if you only engage with people in a, on a very genuine, angry level, like a child does, right, they will get angry and they will use all their energy on that anger until they fall asleep in tears on the ground, right? Yeah, it's like a but damn bursting or nothing. Use your emotion 
sparing yeah use your emotions sparingly and intelligently to fuel things like i don't know a political debate or a conversation with a loved one you use that emotion sparingly and then you can switch it off when that's done and you can conserve yourself right so you don't come out of every important discussion or decision feeling exhausted well what do you think it is then because there's so yeah i think yeah go ahead no go sorry i was just gonna say just as far as like change my view right like you know, starting with when, when Cal started this yeah. thing and you know, going back seven years, you know, they, the, the subreddit's been tweaked yeah. and the rules kind of changed and over time sort of solidifying, on getting closer and closer to just tuning it in perfect, like a kind of a nuclear reactor or vacuum chamber yeah. or something just to get it just right, you know. <laughs> and there's something about the subreddit that manages to channel the energy of the conversation without it getting out of control. And in what sense do you think this emotional thing we're talking about here might play into all that? Yeah, I think I think also sorry, almost when I'm reading the posts and the comments that reply to the posts, it's almost like there's a gentleman's sorry, gentle person's agreement mm-hmm. that you're going to, you that you're if you're on this subreddit and you've come in for a discussion, you're not going to just shut everyone down. You're not going to ignore all opposing views. If you're coming in here, the subreddit is literally called change my view. If you're coming into the subreddit, you're coming in with the intent to contribute to a discussion, but also be open-minded about what other people are contributing. And I, I really like it. And this is why change my view is one of my favorite subreddits. And it's, that's not a, that's not a, um, a advertisement. Like it actually is. It's one of my favorite subreddits because it's one of the few places on Reddit where you don't have a clear, a clear majority opinion on every subject. Beautiful. <laughs> I'm going to call that an advert. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, you can, uh, I, I you think call it what you like, but I wasn't I paid or sponsored. So. Yeah, no, I, I'm just, uh, I feel the same way, man. And I'm a, I'm a big fanboy of this thing, even though yeah, I've been behind the curtain for a while here. But um, we're, we're getting on up about an hour, I think. I mean, awesome, and I, I just wanted to see if you had any uh, final thoughts or anything else you wanted to touch on before we wrap up. I mean, I think it's very easy considering I would I considered my view changed to dismiss what Tyson was saying, and I think that that's not on. I think in terms of what Tyson says, there are many valuable things you can take away from it. One of the things is he references or he implies that the media coverage of something like a shooting is sort of out of proportion compared to like the flu or car accidents, and I think it's very important to remember that so many people draw their information from the media and you have to remember that every media outlet has an agenda. Like I'm doing some research into the effect of Australian media on how people view crime. Mm -hmm. And what I'm realizing is that media doesn't try to represent the statistics. What it tries to represent is um, interesting and shocking events that will sell well. And so, you have to remember that in almost every Western country, the mass media, while partly government funded and partly private, always has the desire to sell units. So they're oh, going yeah, sure, to yeah. spin things in a way that sells more units. I think so. The valuable thing you can take away from Tyson is do your own research, find your own statistics that are that are accurate. Yeah. And I think just to, to, to add on to that, like, the, the the core, you know, sort of centralized media that really people still talk about kind of as a thing, I think in some ways in our time, despite some other larger problems with polarity and lack of civil discourse and the echo chambers of social media and all that, we do have some other things like Change mm-hmm. My View where people can, you know, neutral politics is another great one. Um, Wikipedia, like like people can go and like, it's easier now to do that look up yourself. And a lot of the attention and sources of news that people are getting is becoming much more diversified. Like I think Facebook is actually now the largest output of news, yeah. which has its own pluses and minuses, but like at least you have less of that pure, uh, I don't know, Walter Cronkite type of reputation thing going on, but you also have a greater freedom of sources and diversity. We're in a bit of a mess right now and we're, we're sorting it out, I think, but it's, uh, 
It's definitely getting more interesting than it's... <laughs> we, we haven't figured it all out yet, you know? Like, we haven't figured out the immune system for this thing, I don't yeah. think, completely People... yet. Um, yeah. But yeah. People are still are still learning that they have to go and do their own research. Yeah. But I think it's a positive trend. It's it's going up now. More and more people are doing that, and especially people in my generation, you know, millennial and getting into Gen Z. More and more people are doing their own research and becoming more um, insightful about what they're reading, um, and it's really good because it means that we have a vast range of sources that are independent, they're right, they're left, progressive, conservative, they're academic or they're social, but you can research all of them and decide for yourself as opposed to just having the one evening newspaper you read and then the one evening news show that you watch. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's really good, especially having something like Change My View, mm -hmm. where not only can you do your own research but you can engage in conversations with people who have done their own different research and then you get you know you get infinitely more sources and data and information than you would on your own and like that's why I posted in the first place I was like I can do research into this but I can only do so much and I I have my own biases that I need to look out for but if I put this on a forum like change my view where I know people are going to do their research yeah. And I know people with different points of view and different biases are going to come to me. Then only good can come of it because I can only just get more educated. Yeah, and you've got you know, established users who have built up trust over time, and then you have the system of change my view and the moderators yeah, exactly. sort of creating an environment that that filters out for the more useful, you know, reasonable, calm, you know. Uh, civil discussion, uh, it really is a huge resource. I, I go to it all the time just to, I mean, I'll go back to old posts sometimes and I have an, an opinion thing I want to look at and find, you know, versions of yeah. Yeah, both ways. Um, and that's something actually, you know, it's good to do if you're going to post something too. I mean, yours is obviously unique to the new thing, but just for people listening, um, before you post, sometimes your, your post will be stronger uh, for having read some of the older ones on similar topics. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. I but... see a lot of posts that um, seem to be very similar to old posts. Mm -hmm. And I think like you're making a new distinction, which is great. But also um, there might be something in the old posts that if you read, you would be able to engage in a more insightful discussion because you had more information. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but we've had, you know, over a dozen different academic institutions come to us to, like for our data to just use to study like like yeah. in proper like universities, like how to, you know, how do we improve conversation? How do we study this in politics and psychology? You know, um, and there's yeah. it, for yeah. anyone curious about that in the sidebar in the in the the uh, website in the subreddit wiki, you, you can see a list of uh, a lot of the mentions in media and also the um, academic stuff. And even Google, uh, you know, ended up you know giving some funding to the change of you, based on you know. I mean, there's a lot of cooperation and shared goals there with the Jigsaw project and the Perspective AI. Um, and, you know, it, that conversation started when Google, Google yeah. came to change my view for the, the same data, you know? And, like, so how cool is that, you know? So there's uh, yeah. it's fertile ground here for... That's really awesome. Yeah. Um, for what's, what we can do to, to try and repair the, the fraught polarity, uh, echo chambers, tribalism, all, the, all that the same list we hear about all the time of our time. So... Um, but any other uh, last thoughts here? Um, I just really enjoyed being on the podcast and being able to talk about this. And I really enjoyed the original post. So I think Change My View is a great place to go to. And it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, thanks for being uh, an exemplary uh, OP and great guest here. And uh, I think people will really like this. So uh, for those of you who are... Uh, okay, thank you so yeah, much. Thanks. It. That's, I, th I think that's all we got. All right. Thanks so much. Have a good one. If you haven't checked it out yet, changeofyou.com is really, really cool. Um, and, it, and it solves, it helps give us more to work with to fight against a really serious problem that I think everyone, it's part of Change My View, understands is a problem. There's a link in the show notes, um, and it's something important. Um, it shows how the two political parties in the U.S. have voted and when members vote together or not on all bill, bills on record, 
Um, and, and you watch this animation of these connected dots and lines of, of red and blue, and it's just, it's really almost terrifying to see how there used to be so much cross-aisle voting and cooperation, and it's almost reduced to zero now uh, in our time in the last 70 years. So um, that's an underlying tectonic sort of problem we have as a society, in, in, out, well outside the U.S. as well as many of you international listeners know. And, and we are fighting a fight here um, in Change My View to improve the discourse in, in civilization. And so um, there's a new weapon, uh, a new super weapon really, that, that has built on the core principles that have been really dialed in and, and uh, tuned just right in the Change My View subreddit over the years. This wisdom, uh, this hard to pin down lightning in a bottle that we've created, that it's not just about the views changing, but how the discussion happens and how all these factors, you know, feed into that, how that improves our understanding on things. And so um, the moderation team of Change My View has um, done everything possible within the scope that Reddit and its many tools allow for the uh, customization of the subreddits from bots to the wikis to other, you know, other tools for the mods. And um, the new website's been been being worked on for over a year now uh and it's got a, a a very stable strong beta that's up with thousands of users and but because it's built from the ground up it's not limited to the uh capabilities of a, a more general discussion platform like reddit uh it's really got some new very cool superpowers uh, things you can do in there that you can't do on reddit um that just enhance the capabilities of improving discussion in a deeper way uh, recently stephen fry came on to do a um, sort of a, a celebrity um change of view there. And there's been a lot of other big mentions in the media. There's uh, been shout outs from Barack Obama and uh, the head of LinkedIn. And so it's just, it's really, um, it's really, something's really happened over there. It's really special. And um, we hope you can be a part of it. Um, it's really exciting right now. And um, the onboarding process is easy. And again, it's everything you love about Change My View, but even better. And and so both communities together, like are, you know, I, I can encourage you to support them both. And uh, just to be a part of making this thing that we're about, this improved discussion, this disability, uh, and this understanding, and this list, how important listening is, uh, just you know, grow that much more with this extra piece. So, um, yeah, please check out changeofview.com, uh, and I hope to see you in there. Uh, it's and just it's founded by Cal Turnbull, who who started the subreddit itself, and um, a number of other. Change my view. Moderators have been involved uh, from the beginning, so uh, yeah, go check it out. It, it's just if you love, if you like, change my view. You'll love change of you. I just made that up. All right, have a great September. Bye. One last thing. So I just graduated from UC Berkeley. I'm 38. And I went back to school this year to complete my undergraduate degree in political science, and I am on the job hunt. So um, I invite anyone who's in the hiring market, uh, welcome to check out my LinkedIn profile. The name is Mehatch, M-E-H-A-T-C-H. My full name is Michael Hatch. And yeah, you, you're going to see um, you know, a, a sort of a connection of operations and creative endeavors there in my background. And uh, I've, I've owned my own business and I've run sound stages for other people. I've done TV and film production, pre-production, post-production, development, and uh, sort of a broad set of skills. So um feeling out where the market is and which uh, more narrow category within that skill set to focus on and also including podcasting. So uh, if anyone is out there hiring or um, knows someone who is, uh, I my profile from LinkedIn, which is mehatch, same as my Reddit username, mehatch. Uh, and I'm on the job hunt. So anyways, I uh, wish you all the best. Have a great September and thanks for listening.